in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. On with the show, Holly. Yes. <laughs> This is episode fifty-four of the Two White Chicks in China. I'm Holly, and I'm Nora. Wow! So let's uh, let's get into it immediately. Awesome. So uh, we've got a nice review from uh, Michelle in Italy, who says, "Good insights." I spent six months in China, in Shenzhen, for an internship, and I can relate to all the things that are being said. It's interesting to listen to many topics about life in China, especially because it is. And is going to be the most powerful country in the world. Thanks a lot. That's a large statement right there. Indeed, it is. Well, thank you. Um, okay, so I've got some news, some news articles. Nice. Try to keep them light and a bit ridiculous. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so the first one is um, um, about a guy who uh, basically. Um, Sinks his car in a river while he's trying to uh, find his phone. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, the guy. This guy is from uh, Zhejiang. He's called Mister Wei. So uh, he drops his phone and he tries to pick, like, to pick the phone up while he's still like driving his car. But unfortunately, um, after while he's reaching down to get his phone. He accidentally stand, uh, stands on the accelerator pedal and goes off the road and into a lake. Oh God! So he's driving his car, you know, instead of like pulling over or whatever, or just leaving the phone, he, um, you know, tries to get the phone and oh, uh, <laughs> stands on the, Thank the pedal. Goodness, nobody, you know. Yeah, I know it could have been really bad, but I really, um, it just sounds so ridiculous. But what makes this story even more stupid is if you see the pictures. The the car is in the lake and the guy's on top of the car like, like. So he dude. really like drove yeah, all the way dr- he into, drives the into the lake. You'd think that he would hit the brakes once he realized he wasn't on pavement anymore. I uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Jesus. It just says he managed to climb on top of the car and shout for luck, uh, shout for help. Uh, luckily, nearby villagers heard his cries and came to rescue him on a raft. Oh no! But they so basically this guy couldn't swim either. Ra- probably. I, I, yeah, probably. Which is funny. Cultural note, by the way, Chinese mm-hmm. people don't swim for the most part. Yeah. It's actually really insane how few of them swim and how many of them are actually afraid of. Water and yeah. afraid of swimming.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. When I've been to a pool, which is not very often, but there are often、um, couples. They like go together, and maybe the guy knows how, so he's teaching his like girlfriend or whatever.、Mm-hmm. But she has like armbands on and like、yeah. a rubber ring, and you know she's kitted out like she's never <laughs> been in the water before. They're they're、yeah. always complaining to.、Oh, yeah, like you know, like yeah, swimming, like do doggy paddling、yeah. and whining. <laughs> They do not like the water. <laughs> They don't know. So、uh, yeah, eventually, this guy gets his car dredged from the lake by a police crane. So it was pretty serious, actually. Like, wow, the police had to get involved to get his car off the lake. But please, like, I'm going to put the link to this story on、uh, on our episode 54 page. But the pictures of him standing on the car are just just great. I want to see that. Yeah.、Um, <laughs> oh so, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, fortunately, it was just the car, though, because I mean, if he was that, 
negligent to actually drive straight into a lake. Then he could have easily killed people. Multiple people. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Jeez. Scary. I know. Get that guy off the road. Yeah, imagine if... teach him. Imagine if it had been, like, a a drop. Because it must have just been, like, a riverbank into the water. There was no, like, uh, cliff or anything. Right. It could have been so much worse. He was lucky, I think. Uh, so, <laughs> my next story I is... I hope his phone got wet, just to teach him a lesson. Yeah, his <laughs> I- iPhone 6S, blah-de-blah, <laughs> gold trimmed. Anyway, <laughs> this next story is just um, because of the ridiculousness of this whole situation. Uh, so the title of this story is... <laughs> Fatties eat for free at Tianjin restaurant. <laughs> yep. So, um... Oh, man. This, I can smell this is, like, only in China. Exactly, exactly. Situation I here. think we've talked a bit about marketing, like, strategies in China, and sometimes they're a bit crazy. So, yeah, this is uh, basically a new restaurant opens... And you have to weigh yourself before you enter the restaurant. Oh, God. Um, and if you're fat enough, you get to dine for free. Mm. So um, the the restaurant opened last Friday. And uh, so people were queuing up trying to qualify to be a fat diner. But um, to qualify as a fat diner, you do actually have to weigh more than 130 kilos, which is 286 pounds. Mm. Which is quite a lot. So I was like, I'm not very good with like, okay, so what exactly is that weight? What does that weight like mean to me? And so I uh, researched the average weight in America and the UK. Mm-hmm. And apparently the average um, weight for a woman, a U- an American woman, is 166 pounds. Holy cow. So That's super heavy though. Yeah, it is. But when you think... What they expect you to wear, like a fatty to fatty. I'm sorry to use this word, but it's in the article, so I'm going to go with it because it's funny. Um, is two hundred and eighty-six oh, pounds. Man. So actually, I mean, it's a lot. It's heavy. Um, and a me- men or a man is one hundred and ninety-five pounds. That's the average weight in America. Okay. It's yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy. It's pretty heavy though. Um, how, it, how much is it in the UK? In the UK, think? it's not much. It's not much less. Wow, really? So, yeah. So an American man is one hundred and ninety-five pounds. Um, a British man, the average is one hundred and eighty-three pounds. So okay, it's not that so much that, different. Wow, that surprises me. Yeah, for a woman, um, so the average American woman is one hundred and sixty-six. The the average uh, UK woman, or woman from the UK, is 154 pounds. Okay. So again, it's quite similar. Huh. But what what I found quite interesting was that, according to a recent study, uh, actually China is now home to the most obese people in the world. Okay, wait, though. Because their population Population, exactly. So it's it's obviously... But still... They're beating us, according to the this one study. thing that we were still number <laughs> one so at. <laughs> proud about. Yeah, so they reckon there are eighty nine point six million people in China who are obese. This is a huge potential market because still there are no fatty. Okay, I'm going to use it. Though. <laughs> yeah, again, we, I'm sorry. Don't come, don't come on to us and say like this article used that word, and I, I, I find it like. 
just a crazy use of the word. It is a rude word, but anyway, we'll use it for just the sake of this conversation. Like, fatty clothing stores. So still in China, so many clothing stores, they just have one One size. size. Yeah, especially these little, like, uh, stalls. And especially for, like, lingerie, underwear, I feel like it's so hard. Oh, my. Because a lot of Western women, you know, when they go shopping for bras, they have a hard time finding decent support. And, I mean, that's those are average-sized women. What are all these large Chinese women doing? Mm, I don't know. I mean, when I see, <clears throat> uh, like, a woman, for example, who's, who's not the... And I'm using air quotations here, like the normal Chinese size, which mm-hmm. is quite small, you know, slim Super build. Super slim, yeah. They, they, I, I, I get the impression there's not really a whole lot of choice for them because it's often just like trousers and a t-shirt. Right. I, I, have, I almost feel like they're wearing men's clothes. Maybe. Because I feel like there are, there must be places to cater for like bigger men because a lot of Chinese men after a certain age do tend to get that beer belly kind of thing going on so I guess yeah. they need a bigger size t-shirt yeah <laughs> yeah sure. um, and yeah. that's easy to manufacture but to actually make clothing that makes a larger woman feel sexy that's a very specific niche I don't know and I've never that seen that here I that's about 89 million people mm-hmm. let's say half of those are women that's an amazing market for any of you out there who are into <laughs> retail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Waiting for you. Yeah, so big and beautiful. <laughs> as a percentage of the like world's population, they're saying that uh, sixteen. This is sixteen point three percent of oh. obese obese men are Chinese. Wow, okay. and twelve point four women percent of women. Okay, wow. So maybe that get, puts a little bit more perspective on that matter. I think it's just still a lot of it is related to the freaking population size here. That though. too, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, still, okay, there's 1.4 million people here now, and the size of the population is, I think it's mm. about 300 million. So they've got a billion, over a billion more people. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a billion, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a bigger number than you think, people. It's like, <laughs> imagine... Yeah. 800 million, it's still not a billion. I mean, it's a crazy, it's hard to fathom. Yeah, I think I agree. It is hard to head around. And then the second one is going to be India. Well, geez, I'm not surprised there aren't a ton of fat people in India Mm. because obviously the economy is not as affluent and just genetically Indians are slimmer build. So it it doesn't surprise me that... I mean, it surprises me then, but thinking about it, I get it. I get yeah. it. And also, there's not as much of a stigma. It's funny because, like, <laughs> I've seen in the Chinese classroom, I don't know if you've seen this, Holly, but because um, Chinese people tend to be very blunt about yes. people's physical appearance. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> if you are the fat kid in the class, everybody calls you the fat kid yeah. and everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. The teachers might even do it. I don't know. But um, you just kind of accept it. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. Yeah. And it's not something that's sensitive. And it's not something that people are, oh, you call me fat. Boo-hoo-hoo. It's like, well, yeah, I'm fat. Yeah. So it doesn't have a similar stigma to like in the States or in the UK, I think, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, if you call if you call another kid fat, it's like you're bullying them. Yeah. 
So it's kind of interesting. It doesn't have, like, you see quite a few, I've seen quite a few larger people strutting around here like they were emperors, you know. Well, that's it's a status thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think, actually, I, I was thinking, you know, they have that, um, is it little emperor, like, thing they have where most of the kids are looked after by their grandparents and because most of them only have one grandchild they kind of spoil them quite a bit and i don't know i mean obviously i'm not basing this on any like study but i i can only assume that a lot of these obese children have become so because their grandparents spoil them Mm. and give them give them things that they shouldn't have yeah really i wouldn't be surprised Mm. Little only children thing in general. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that changes since there's no one child policy anymore. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, when I was teaching, I remember I, I kind of felt like it was okay for boys to be a little bit like plump, mm-hmm. but for girls, once they got to about five, I feel like the especially the mothers, because I had quite a lot of young mothers and uh, in my class, like mm-hmm. mothers of the children I was teaching, and they were starting to be like, "Oh, you know, make sure she doesn't eat too much. Like she's a bit chunky." Like kids, I mean, I think at a young age it's okay for like for children to be a little like obviously not, you know, to a dangerous point. But a little, uh, you know, it's puppy fat; it drops off them after a while once yeah. they start growing, you know, growing out of it. I think if they're getting good nutrition at home then, yeah, children shouldn't be limited in how much they yeah. can eat. I feel like that's just going to create a complex and just oh, make them yeah. want to, like, stuff themselves in private, you mm-hmm. know, and, like... Sneaky eating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. If they're if they're being... I mean, if they're being served good food and abundance of good food, you, your body just naturally tells you to stop eating. Mm-hmm. But if they have ready access to just, like, candy yeah. and all this crap, that's a different story. Yes. That should be limited, but mm. food shouldn't be limited to children, I think. No. It's like with cats, you know. Just let them, just put the bowl. Gorge. Just put the bowl down there. Let them eat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that could be dangerous as well. <laughs> um, so, to go back to this as like a marketing strategy, actually, uh, apparently, re- very recently, there was a hot pot restaurant uh, that offered that offered a free lunch to people who earned top beauty marks. So basically, people from a local plastic surgery clinic would go to the restaurant and give the people in the restaurant marks out of whatever. Oh, God. <laughs> and if you ranked highly, <laughs> then you would get a free lunch. I don't really see uh... what that has to do with anything. What does hot pot have to do with plastic surgery i don't know and i don't understand what's the business model here i mean if why would you let large people eat for free they're going to be the ones consuming more Mm -hmm. like i just don't i guess it's just a just like for me for the publicity yeah i guess so i think it's a bit of a novelty isn't it i suppose yeah and um i guess they couldn't really have if you weigh under this amount because probably a lot of women and and come on like with all these ridiculous fitness challenges mm. they would probably do it there would probably be women and men starving themselves to get a free meal yeah, <laughs> that's, that's probably more likely than them gorging themselves to be what was it 100 and wait uh, 130 kilos <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah 
That's so funny, though. Mm -hmm. But maybe there, I mean, maybe we're, because I feel like there are a couple mini revolutions that are going to happen here in China finally soon. One of which is I'm fat and I'm beautiful. Because that's going to happen soon. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the other one is women independence. Like women's independence. Like the leftover women united. Yeah, I see that (laughs) happening yeah, soon too. So I feel like maybe these restaurants are just trying to capitalize on these um, movements. Well, and so if that's the case, they're pretty. They're on the ball, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Sounds absolutely crazy, but maybe they're onto something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, so um, let's move on to our question. Ooh, yeah. So our question came from our Facebook page. So, guys, if you want to leave us any comments or anything, you can go to uh, facebook.com slash two white chicks. T-W-O. Uh, t- yeah, exactly, yeah. Two spelt with the word T-W-O. And um, so the question is from Jay, and he says, I love each podcast. Thanks so much. I have two granddaughters of three and five years old. Um, what would it be like for them in China? I love this question. It's a nice one. It's a nice one. Thanks, Jay, for yeah, writing in. Um, three and five, I think, is a really good age mm-hmm. to to experience something really different. Um, it's just, I feel like it's just young enough where it wouldn't be as traumatic. You know, I think the older the children get, the more difficult it is to adjust to a totally new culture. Mm. But it's old enough so that they're able to actually remember that experience. Um, I'm not sure if Jay means like having them come here for forever like if he's planning on yeah. settling here or mm-hmm. if it's just kind of a sabbatical mm-hmm. so that would make a little bit of a difference yeah. um, but either way I think a lot would depend on where you're living yeah I agree um, in Shenzhen I feel like so or in like a more uh, developed city let's say I feel like you would be able to find other people who are raising their children or grandchildren here, so you would be able mm-hmm. to connect with the community of foreigners here for support. Yeah. So you get a lot of information. Um, Holly and I haven't raised kids here yet, um, so we don't have direct experience, but we know people who are who are currently doing yeah. so. Um, and actually, more and more of our friends are having kids here and raising yeah. them here. So you would have access to uh, a more, a, a larger community if you were in a place like Shenzhen or Shanghai or Beijing where there is a, a long-standing presence of foreigners there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I, I don't, th- I think for those, if the grandchildren are three and five, mm-hmm. I think those ages are still good to like for children to fit into a situation mm-hmm. i think they don't have that fear or <clears throat> like of not fitting in yet i yeah. think even if they don't speak chinese they would probably pick the language up very quickly i mean especially the 3 year old yeah, would probably just like sure. i don't know children they don't need to communicate so much with with words that you know they they find their own way don't they mm-hmm. um yeah so i yeah, i think that being in a big city would definitely be a positive mm-hmm. thing, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I kind of 
in, instead of thinking about foreigners or foreign children here, I kind of thought <clears throat> went along the route of what Chinese children do here and how their childhood is, I guess. Okay. Um. So I don't. Yeah. Maybe I should just jump Dive in. in. Jump, jump right in. So as a an ex kindergarten teacher, I, I saw a lot. Obviously, a lot of kids, and I I knew or I learned a lot about what they were doing out of school hours because obviously that's like that's a given they're in kindergarten or whatever mm-hmm. till they're six years old um but a lot of those kids every evening and on a weekend had like classes but um under the, i think under the age of six those classes are still like fun okay so they were they were doing art classes and lego classes and even like Chess sounds probably quite serious to like to the Western world. Like probably you don't learn to play chess till you're a bit older. I'm not really sure about that. Um, but there was there's more like time for play. I think, and it's mm-hmm. there's still there's still a focus on playtime. But I think after the age of six, that kind of goes away. Mm, definitely. Um, so I don't know. if I've got kind of like a story. I don't know if I. I should jump in now. Or... Yeah, yeah, go yeah. For it. Okay. So recently, in fact, within the last few weeks, I, I, I wasn't. This wasn't for anything in particular. I just found this article, um, and they refer to this. It's about a mom and a son, and they refer to the mom as a tiger mom. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'd never heard this phrase before, but I just spoke to the lovely Champson, our colleague, and she told me that a tiger mom is basically um, a mother who is quite strict with the children and she believes that they should spend a lot of time studying um but on the flip side she told me that they also refer to the father as a cat cat father or cat daddy or something like that (laughs) and the the cat daddy is basically the complete opposite of the tiger mom and he thinks that the child should spend more time like playing and you know the good cop bad cop. yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so he wants to keep the peace and he you know if there's an argument between the mother and the children he's gonna get in there and like protect the children and that kind of thing (laughs) so yeah so basically this article that i read was about um a tiger mom who who's forcing her nine-year-old son son sorry to study 18 hours a day yeah so she like she the reason this came so to light gets six hours of sleep, right? Exactly. This this and doesn't eat. Well, I guess eating is like the time is probably like ten minutes or something. Mm. I imagine. So this came to light. The story was out there because she posted like the timetable. She she had like a like a she created like a like a timetable for him to follow, um, which I've seen and actually I'll put put the link to this article online and you can you. Although it's in Chinese, you can she's drawn like little pictures, so it looks all fun and exciting. But actually, <laughs> when you look at the pictures, it just looks utterly depressing. Um, so oh, man. there were things like actually, I I remembered this article, but I couldn't find the original in which it details very specifically like what he was expected to do. But I remember that when he wakes up, which is at five a.m., oh. he was expected to. Um, read like ancient chinese literature oh my yeah goodness. and then um of course he had it would complete he would have lots of homework to do on an evening but on a weekend his weekends were piano classes calligraphy classes he would 
take part in like maths um, competitions. Um, uh, he would he would do swimming as well, but that's not really fun time, is it? And he basically didn't have any free time. Wow. The only time that was uh, apparently uh, like uh, I don't know banded off for his free time um, was on an evening, like half an hour, and I forget what it was, but it was some kind of like um, them every night in China. I guess there, there must be like a um, I don't know, like a flag raising thing. I can't okay. remember what it was because, I, as I said, I couldn't remember. I couldn't find the original article, mm-hmm. but that was his free time. To it like... wasn't. It was like say it was get. It was watching the news. Oh. That was his free time, like his fun time oh, that no. he got on an evening. This is a recipe for a nervous breakdown. Yep. Or worse. Uh, but so basically, after she posted this online, a lot of people, like Chinese. Like parents were like, "What the? What are you doing to your child?" Like, um, you know, even though this mentality is quite like it, it exists in a lot of parents, I think it, even you know, th- a lot of people were still very, very shocked by the amount of hours that. That's they, pretty they, extreme. It is. It is. It is. It is for sure. But it does give you a taste of the tiger mom mentality here. I mean, mm-hmm. they just jam pack. Yeah. I mean, there's not even so. Holly mentioned that uh, below the age of six, they do have more fun classes, yeah. but it's still a structured classroom environment where it, you know requires discipline. There's no running around and stuff. It's still, like no. an art class or piano or something like that, ballet, something that requires discipline. Yeah. So it's not. They just have a lot of time to socialize mm-hmm. and to. Make their own mistakes, really. I feel like people are constantly... They're just never alone. That's true. And I feel like as a child, just a lot of... A lot of my personal development happened when I was just, like, in a field of, like, you know, like, playing playing in the dirt, you know, with my friends alone, Mm -hmm. away from direct parents. I mean, obviously, your parents would be able to look out and check to see that you're there but they weren't hovering over and listening to every conversation that you're having and i mean this kind of surveillance is kind of scary yeah even yeah even if there isn't a parent there's an ie or someone around Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah chinese kids are very rarely alone which is without being you know without a task to do Mm -hmm. so it's i just it just makes me wonder what happens when they finally reach university age and then all of a sudden <laughs> for the first time in their life i mean they're already like 19 20 yeah and they reach an age where they they move away from home and they have all this freedom all at once yeah what happens i feel like so many of them just go mental and just watch end up watching tv and playing video games all the yeah. time because it's like the thing that they crave doing as a kid and they just like it's like a, it's like a pit that they can't fill right and we i don't maybe some of you um who've been listening for a while remember our uh podcast about uh schools so we did we kind of talked about um how even in school like in high school these kids, let's call they're not kids anymore by that point, but they're not even allowed to have, like, 
relationships, like mm-hmm. boyfriends and girlfriends. So even yeah, even that's like something that they can't have until they're at that age. So that that's probably going to play a, a big part as well. Yeah, it's so um, like free for all, or the other option, the other way around, all, yeah. where it's like they're now they're they're so old that they have no experience, experience. And they get intimidated. So it's like just not a natural I don't know to me I don't see this as a natural upbringing but anyway for Jay though I mean his kid you can choose none of this is mandatory you might get you might feel pressure from some tiger mom oh you're letting your kids just play what a waste of time but I'm sure that you'll find some like-minded people who aren't Mm -hmm. quite as aggressive with the studies and at the end of the day it depends on what your goals are if you like I think as a foreigner, it's probably still going to be easier for the, the child to get admitted into um, different schools. Because I think mm. the the issue that we're facing with the Chinese parents is the competition. Yeah. Everybody wants well, the best school for their kids. And so it's like it starts so early. In order to get into a good kindergarten, they have to already be able to have certain skills. So they're already from day one pushing them to learn these certain skills. And then it's a domino effect from if they're in a certain kindergarten, if they excel in it, then they can get into the next primary school, and it's just like dominoes. But I think as foreigners, they probably wouldn't hold you to the same standards. And also, a lot of schools try to (laughs) call themselves international schools, even though there's only Chinese students there. So I think the presence of foreigners in those schools, yeah, (laughs) they'll they'll be a little lenient. I'm sure you can, you know, wiggle your way into Mm. a school like that. So you you can decide really how to, you know, you don't have to feel like your kids are going to be just swept up in the system. You still have control over it. Although they'll definitely learn some... Chinese government sponsored materials in their, <laughs> in their classrooms. So that was very diplomatic of you. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to well. use the P word. <laughs> yeah, let's not. <laughs> so, so yeah, and, and um, school in general, I think, would be, would have its own set of challenges because probably, hopefully you could find a place where there was at least like one other foreign kid. Yeah. But um, you'll definitely be, pin- you know, like, you'll definitely be pointed out as, uh, like, the kid will definitely be known as the foreign kid. Yeah. But I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm just going on my, like, re- recollections of, like, foreign kids that I've seen, you know, within mm-hmm. the school I've worked at. And I don't, I, I don't think it was, it's, like, like negative I almost feel like it's like favorable prejudice in mm-hmm, a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, for their yeah, it actually can work in your favor um, if you are white. Oh yeah, because yeah. it does make a difference if you are like African American mm-hmm. or whatever, black or Hispanic or Asian looking. Yes, yeah, that's true. So let's yeah, you have to be careful we, with that yeah. one because we've true. seen some Indian kids who. I don't think they get preferential treatment at all. Um, our friend had a um, a little girl. I'm not sure where they were from. Maybe from India, I mm-hmm. want to say. Um, and she was like, because they just thought she was like super cute. Okay. So she was about three, I think three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, she picked up 
by the end of it, I think she was speaking more Chinese than English. Or, oh wow! Um, and her father, like both parents, both like like spoke fluent English, of course, but she wasn't like spoke a lot. Of, actually, a lot of Chinese. Wow, it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. The language experience is, I mean, that's invaluable mm-hmm. to your yeah. grandchildren, mm-hmm. your children's education. Um, that exposure, and because it's not just exposure to one, uh, it's not exposure to one language. In China, there are so many dialects. Yes. Um, and like where we are, there's the two main ones, are Mandarin and Cantonese, but you hear all different kinds of dialects. So that exposure to language in general, and there are a lot of foreigners here who come from France or, you know, Germany or other countries yeah. too. So that just like immersion into just like this linguistical melting pot <laughs> yeah i think is really good i'm just a huge advocate for like the two things that are most important to me that will be most important to me for my children's edu- education are music and language yeah. like i find this just following the studies that just shows it really helps with all this cognitive mm. development. So that is a huge advantage to bringing your kids here. It's just exposure to all the different, and it's such a, because it's such a different language too, the tonal language, and it is quite difficult to learn as an adult, especially if you don't have a musical hearing, because it because of the tones, some people just never really get it. Like they never really catch on to the tones, so but kids will pick it up really easily. Yeah. In fact, one of our friends here who has a she must be almost two now. Yeah, yeah. Misha, two, yeah. she must be two. <laughs> she's speaking, so she's learning to speak now, mm-hmm. and she, because Chinese is tonal, it's kind of sing song. Yeah. So yeah. she's actually like she's speaking more. <laughs> I think she's she understands because her parents are Bulgarian. So she understands Bulgarian, and I think she understands some English. Yes. But she speaks the Chinese, and I think maybe one is that the the nanny probably always says yeah. the same thing to her, like yeah. in the morning. Zhang yeah. You know? So she's <laughs> yeah. she's just you like cross, cross. yeah, it sounds very sing song, <laughs> and so she's she's just going around saying Zhang Chilai, Zhang Chilai, which means get up. It's very cute. It's really cute. Yeah. So so yeah, they might even attach themselves to Chinese even. Mm. faster than you think because it is such a sing-songy language yeah yeah yeah, i agree i think that's i mean that's one of my the major things and i agree with you about how like i I really wish that personally i had learned a language younger me too we didn't learn to speak i didn't learn to speak another language till i was 11 yeah 11 Mm -hmm. and that's what i mean i wasn't you i wasn't interested but i know like friends of mine in the uk they, um, their children have been learning f- maybe French and Spanish from a very young age, and you know, like they love it, like, and they love to speak the different language, and mm. it's really cool. Like, I, I'm really glad that they're enthusiastic about speaking a, a different language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope to. My my goal is definitely well. Fortunately, because well, my have husband, to. yeah, they'll, ha- they'll have to. My husband speak. is Bulgarian, so they'll definitely be bilingual. But open. Um, yeah, I'm hoping mine will be able to know the differences between English and American English. Do you think your children are going to have a British or an American accent? I don't know. It depends where we are, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. if you raised your kids in China, I wonder what their accent... I guess it would be more neutral. Yeah, probably. That will be really interesting to see. Mm. But I don't... I mean, 
maybe for those of you who are listening to my accent, like especially if you if you're from the USA, maybe you think my accent is 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 strong, but actually compared to people in my hometown or in the, the that area, my accent is not strong at all. And and my, and Barrett's also like he's from South Carolina and his accent is not like, like look yeah it's not southern he can you know he can put it on but he doesn't speak with a strong accent so maybe that will probably the childhood children like whatever would not go either way yeah between the two yeah it's true yeah. i think when you when you come to china because so often like i very rarely actually speak to americans i have a couple mm-hmm. american friends here but for the most part i'm speaking to either people from a different country mm-hmm. than i am or non-native speakers or yeah. both you know obviously yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. um so it i just naturally enunciate more and yeah. don't use as much slang from you know from back home and stuff like that and mm-hmm. so you tend to like neutralize your english yeah very much. just because it's a necessity for communication mm-hmm. so yeah i guess the kids would probably choose a neutral more neutral road yeah but they'll have to, to they'll have to get used to listening to my accent because if i'm angry that's when it comes out <laughs> Only strange phrases. They're gonna imitate you for sure. Oh, for sure. Well, Barrett does it now. If he takes the, wants to take the mick out of me, <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. So we touched on a point that I wanted to mention too mm. about the maids, because we were talking about okay. how the nanny, you know, like the nanny, and I think that's mm. another um, benefit to raising your kids, especially young kids in China, yeah. is the availability of these nannies. Um, and even just if you if you aren't comfortable with having somebody in such close contact with your kids, at least you can very easily hire somebody to come clean your house and cook for you. Yeah. So that's and it's relatively inexpensive. I mean, yeah, compared exactly. to the state, I, I I did we did we know where Jay was from? Did he mention? Uh, he's from the USA. Okay. So that's something where in the states it's like my mom could never dream of having like a maid or like somebody to help her prepare dinner and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but here it's actually very it's um it's cheap enough where it's worth it i mean if you're working and you you know sometimes it's actually better sometimes i think like oh why am i actually wasting my time (laughs) with doing these freaking dishes when i could actually be working on my project and it's probably you know like to make more money Mm -hmm. so that i would never you know you have to weigh up what your, you know, what your economic position is, but it's, it's like, for example, right now I'm paying about $15, a little less, like maybe between 10 and $15 for a lady to come in once a week mm-hmm. who does uh, the whole house from top to bottom. Yeah. She spends about three hours, mm-hmm. something like that. So fifteen bucks, I'm like, come on! If it's gonna save me all that time and yeah effort, and they often like they're really willing to help, like help you with everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll do like your washing and. It depends on you. Definitely have to find a good one, though. Yeah, and you have to be willing to like hire and fire really quickly in order to find the right one because there are a lot of them that will just they're so lazy. (laughs) They're just so lazy. They'll do the bare minimum, but like the one that I have, she's lovely. And she, she's just like, I, I just find that she genuinely cares mm-hmm. and I've never seen a, one quai go missing or anything like that. Yeah. I really believe that she's, you know, an honest worker. Mm-hmm. And, 
Um, if I need help, you know, if I need her to do a little bit of deep cleaning, you know, if I'm like, oh, can you clean out the stove this week? Right. She's actually really pleasant and happy to do it. She's not, like, griping about yeah. it, you know? So it's, I've really enjoyed having her. I really, I will miss her if she ever, if she ever leaves me. Yeah. <laughs> she's like family, you know, I see her once a week and yeah. she's taking care of my stuff and she's commenting on our health and like, yeah. you know, she's just like a little auntie. So that's a really yeah. nice benefit to, to living in China is mm-hmm. you do have the option for help at a very, very, very reasonable price. Yeah, like I never, I hadn't thought about that actually. I like it. I mean, if it's a, if it's just a grandpa and he's got mm-hmm. these two, these two kids, I'm sure that would be a big oh, benefit yeah. for yeah. him to Absolutely. not have to worry because they'll, they'll also cook for you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's better if you can speak some Chinese, but in the beginning, you can just get a friend. You can yeah. find somebody in the foreign expat community to help you arrange somebody and train them how you want things done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you touched on it at the beginning about living in with, like in a in a uh, an area where there are lots of other foreigners. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you don't need to have that fear that you like you're on your own. There are big, especially in Shenzhen, there are big expat communities where people do tend to live t- together and basically live in China, but as though they were in the West. Yeah, it's fascinating. Actually, it's it's almost it's like a bubble. It's like a subculture, really. Yeah, in a bubble for sure. Like you can go there, and you f- you don't you feel like you're in a different pl- a different kind of place. The environment's very different, and you can be just like go to the supermarket and buy those same products you would buy at home, mm-hmm. except the weather's better. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, so you can have all the comforts of home. And, and, you know, but be in China. Mm-hmm. But with these communities, then it's difficult actually to, I mean, because your kids would probably naturally want to play with the other foreign kids. Yeah. So they might not pick up the Chinese then. So mm-hmm. it's like you have to find, you have to strike a, a balance. balance. I agree. You have to figure out what, what exactly you want to get out of the experience. Because a lot of times if you're in, this is why I personally would not like to live in one of those communities. Mm-hmm. Um because there's a big one. There's a large expat community in um, Shikou. In it's a it's a one of the western districts of Shenzhen. And you look around, and there's just like moms in strollers, and you know, yeah. like Holly was saying, sh- grocery stores that have your amenities and everything. But they these type of people just tend to really stick together. And I can understand why they'd want to do that. Mm-hmm. If you if you're a like a young couple. Or, and but let's be honest. Most of the time, and obviously I don't want to generalize too much, but often the family come out because the husband work, has business here. Right. So the wife or partner is on her own for a lot of the time with maybe young children. So I can understand why she'd want that familiarity. Sure. Um, but yeah, I can. I but I also agree with you that if you if you're in that kind of um, community then you do miss out on certain aspects of yeah. being in China yeah because you're not really immersed I mean you're not yeah. going to assimilate very quickly if you're yeah. glommed on to the sure and of course expect, there are like chi- there are Chinese people who live in those areas too but m- a lot of them are going to speak English mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in like the restaurants and the bars and that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely com- comfortable right yeah so yeah you got to choose comfort over 
challenge. But yeah, but yeah, and it's but it's not as though it's the, like uh, for us it's uncomfortable. I feel you know because you find because even though like so where Holly and I live is like the center of Shenzhen and the there are there's definitely a foreign community here, but mm-hmm. it is few and far between. It's not like Shekel. No. So you you do find what I like about it is that we're in the middle of everything here, and. You, we do have our, I mean, we have our tight knit community here of the foreigners, mm-hmm. but your day to day life is among the Chinese people. So yeah. like none of yeah. us live in the same gardens, so we've got our own communities um, back home where our apartments actually physically located. So it's it's kind of a nice balance between being in China, but then also having some of the camaraderie yeah. and like the support. From foreign the foreign community yeah, too, for sure. and it's nice knowing like what I really like because we're always touting how amazing Shenzhen is. <laughs> but we should definitely like join some sort of a, a welcome board or something here. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> so what I really do like about it is just knowing that the option is there, just knowing that there is a large community of expats that's yeah. like out there mm-hmm. somewhere, yeah. and if. You know, if I was really feeling so lonely or you know isolated that I wanted to feel surrounded by foreigners, yeah. or English speakers, whatever, it's there. Yeah, so it's absolutely. like, and being near Hong Kong and near Macau is also that peace of mind that it's like you're not really tr- like s- trapped in China. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when I was living in in Chengdu, it was like I was thousands of miles away from anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like. While you're there, you're really, like, stuck. I mean, you're stuck. You're stuck there. But here it's like, oh, take a day trip over to Hong Kong, and then you feel you feel like you're in Europe, basically, or Macau, and you you feel, yeah, you feel like you're in a completely Western society or a really interesting blend of Western and Eastern society, but different from China, so... Mm -hmm. So, yeah, sometimes just knowing that those... So, like, maybe you could live... Jay, somewhere that's like near one of the expat communities, but not quite like in the expat community. So you could have the option to do either or, but not be completely sucked into it so that you wouldn't actually like learn any Chinese or like explore the culture here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Do you have any? That's all I have to say. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I mean, I think we've. Maybe there are more specific questions about raising kids here, and if Mm. so, then you can send us a voicemail at writtenchinese.com slash voicemail and ask us about specific aspects. Because we are familiar, we do have friends here who are raising their kids. And if we don't know the answer, we can try and find out for you. We will. (laughs) We will find out. (laughs) So today's Chinese word I thought could be kids. So kids are haizi. So you might hear Haizi. I feel like Haizi is a easy one to recognize. Like some Chinese words sound a lot like other Chinese words, but I feel like Haizi. Haizi. You mean the char- uh, the character? The sound of it, oh, I feel like. Like mayo, you know, mayo. Yeah, so oh, mayo right. is like one of the uh-huh. first words that everybody learns. <laughs> yeah, even my mom and dad picked that yeah, one. Up so yeah, so mayo is like, it means, so it sounds like mayonnaise, right? Like mayo, but... um. Mm. It means to not have something. So if it's like, you know, you're asking for, oh, do you have coffee? Mayo, mayo, yeah. mayo. It's super it? useful for us, too. Yeah, yeah, it's very useful. And kui is another mm-hmm. one. So kui is can, like, yeah. 
do you have the like can i order a glass of water yeah. you, you, but it's it's all it's like used as like for yes really isn't yeah. it yeah like, it's all, all, yeah you'll hear it a lot yeah it's funny actually in chinese there's no really definitive word for yes Not it depends really, on yeah. the context so some people say oh there's thousands of words for yes in chinese but it's it's more like if you ask a question then you just affirm that verb so it's like yeah. is it this is yeah like do you have yeah. have you know like it's just like repeating the verb yeah. so it's pretty easy to to pick that up but yeah i think hides a, i think it's an easier one to grab from all this these crazy mm. chinese sounds so hides means cool. child child okay well i'll um i'll put the links to our uh, written chinese dictionary on the episode 54 page 54 um, episodes mm-hmm. that's amazing yep yeah, and if you go there, you can see you see yeah you can see and listen to all of our other uh, episodes, mm-hmm. and uh, you can leave us a comment. That would be nice. Yeah, if you've got any thoughts or don't think that because we're getting these reviews and that we're becoming oh so popular, <laughs> we're yeah, still we scrubbing still, yeah. for reviews, we guys. St- we still want. We <laughs> need your support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you know what we we're getting so many. We've had loads of reviews, thank you. And we've had loads of questions as well. Like the questions are coming in like every week we get we're getting questions, which Ooh. is awesome. But don't slow down. We love the questions. But we, we also, you know, like we love to hear from you as well, any comments. You don't just need to leave us questions. Mm-hmm. If you're on Facebook, you know, you, you just need to float over. Our to... response time is like five minutes on Facebook. <laughs> Bam! We see it. And we were sitting in, so Holly and I, we work in the same room. We, like, literally work back to back. She's facing one way, I'm facing another. So a lot of times we we see a comment, we both we both catch the comment, and then we're commenting on the comment. Yeah. Like, a lot of times it'll make our day. So mm-hmm. throw something out there. You don't have to pay for any of this information, so we'd love to hear from you as, like, Indeed. a little... Just to let us know that you're out there and appreciate what, yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, for sure. So do it. Send us a question. We'll definitely get to it. And some questions, like, some questions are more thought-provoking than other questions. True. So don't think that we have, like, this long, long, long list of questions <laughs> out there that we're, like, never going to get to yours. Oh, like, no. If, depending on the context of the question, we might get really excited about it and, mm-hmm. and bump it up real quick. Ooh. 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 Yeah, we might. We might. Yeah. Never know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> and tune in next week, please. See ya. <laughs> Bye.